Well, good morning. Good to see you guys today. We're going to be continuing in our series on Ephesians. Actually, as Pastor Scott said, we'll be closing it out today, and we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and the nature of spiritual battle. Uh, what is it? How do we fight back when it's taking place in our lives? Uh, but since we were uh, talking about the theme of cancer today, I wanted to give you guys an update. Uh, uh, you, I asked you guys to pray for Ashley's father last fall when he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, and we found out two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago, uh, that he's in remission today. So thank you guys for your prayers on that. I just want to lift that up since we were in that theme this morning. Uh, but before we go any further, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we come to you. In your mighty son's Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people. God, speak to us. God, speak to our hearts. Move me out of the way. I can't emphasize it enough, God. Your people need to hear from you. You know what they need. You know what they're going through. And I pray that you prepare their hearts for the seed of your word, God. And I lift up everyone here in person and everyone that's online this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the movie Roman J. Israel Esquire, Denzel Washington plays an idealistic and compassionate civil rights attorney by the name of Roman J. Israel Esquire. He, he is dedicated and motivated to serve the needs and interests of the, of the poor, of the marginalized, and of those who are in deep need. And so uh, he works for a civil rights firm. Uh, he makes $500 a week. He lives in, um, in an in a impoverished community in Los Angeles, and he's among the people because he wants to be there. He wants to serve the people. That's where his heart is. On one particularly hard day at work, Roman J. Israel Esquire is walking home from work, and he encounters a homeless individual who's in need. And this individual asks Israel for money, and he says, well, I don't have cash on me, but I do have these tickets to the homeless shelter. And so Israel reaches in his pocket uh, to give this individual the tickets to the homeless shelter, and the individual knocks him to the ground and begins to pummel him and beat him. And, and tries to take Israel's belongings. And Israel said these words that stuck with me as he's taking these punches and these kicks and as this guy's trying to reach in his pocket, he says, you got the wrong guy. He says, you got the wrong guy. In other words, I'm here to help you. I'm your friend. I want to I be your ally. I want to be your advocate. You got the wrong guy. And that stuck with me because... We all know what it feels like to get the wrong guy or to be the wrong guy. And the reality is this. We all run the risk of fighting the wrong battles and declaring the wrong enemies. We all run the risk of fighting the wrong battles and declaring the wrong enemies, which begs me to ask the question this morning, who is your enemy? Who is your enemy? Who is it that you're mad at? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your coworker? Is it your boss? Is it those people? Is it the neighbor who plays the, the loud music and doesn't uh, go by the HOA code, right? Who, 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 who is your enemy? Who is, who is the person that riles you up? The Apostle Paul would say, if your enemy is none other than our spiritual enemy, 
Satan, then you got the wrong guy. Ephesians 6, 12. And it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm going to go back a slide because he says, Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, meaning humankind, meaning people, meaning the guy across the counter, meaning that waitress that you're upset with, meaning somebody who's taking too long at the DMV, right? Your, your wrestle is not against people, against flesh and blood, but we have a spiritual enemy, a very real spiritual enemy, and we, and we have to engage in a very real spiritual battle because we were born into a very real spiritual battle with an enemy that uses very real spiritual weapons. And here's why we need to know this. Who or what I fight against determines what I choose to fight with. Who or what I fight against determines what I choose to fight with. Some of us are picking up physical weapons to try to fight a spiritual war. So we're swinging at stuff and we're hitting nothing because we're fighting with the wrong weapons. And in a crowd this size, some of us might say, well, people need to be held accountable. People need to be responsible for what they have done to me. Uh, and that's true. Even scripture would align with that reality that yes, we should be held accountable for what we do. Yes, we should be responsible for what we do. You can't go run and say the devil made me do it every time that you do something. But the reality still is the physical world that we experienced here is, is influenced by a very real spiritual world. Uh, there are some common responses to the idea of a spiritual enemy. For some of us, our response is to deny it. Eh, no, I don't get into that stuff. That's not real. All that there is is what I can see. There is no devil. There is no uh, spiritual reality. In a, re, in a, in a, a study done uh, by Barner Research Group, it was proven uh, in this study that 40% of Christians do not believe in or acknowledge the existence of a spiritual enemy, the devil. 40%, not of the world, not of the United States, 40% of Christians do not believe that Satan even exists. So that means that a lot of people got the wrong guy. They're fighting a, a, a spiritual uh, a battle and they're getting pummeled and they're getting beaten because uh, the reality is that 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 isn't a part of their worldview. And if that's you, I just want you to work with me for a little while. We're going to look at some passages and hopefully by the end of this, you can see that, man, it's not just flesh and blood that you're fighting against. For some of us, our tendency is to overestimate or overemphasize the devil. Everything is the devil. It starts raining. That's the devil, right? The waitress is too slow with the food. Oh, that's the devil. And she's the devil. She's not getting a tip today. And so we can tend to overestimate and over-spiritualize everything. And we give them too much credit. The reality is the devil is a defeated foe. He was created. He has an end. It's coming very soon, right? He doesn't uh, control everything. He has a limited amount of power and a limited amount of time. We shouldn't overestimate him. Our God, our King, uh, has defeated him. But we can tend to overestimate him sometimes. 
Now, for some, for some uh, they, they, they swing to the other end of the pendulum, and the temptation is to worship or admire Satan. At one point in the United States, uh, the Church of Satan had a uh, membership of some 10,000 members, had some 5,000 uh, temples across the nation. Here in Detroit, uh, the Temple of Satan uh, has the largest chapter in the country. The largest chapter of the Temple of Satan is actually in Detroit. Uh, and they would say that they're not necessarily a spiritual uh, organization, but they're more of an anti-Christian uh, organization. Um, and they more so are, they're more secular in nature, uh, but they use Satan uh, as a type and as a figure that they follow. Uh, but that exists right here in Detroit metro area, largest temple of Satan chapters right here, right? And so this is very real. And so uh, God doesn't want us to deny the existence of Satan. He doesn't want us to overemphasize him, uh, doesn't want us to worship or admire him, uh, but he does want us to be humble because we do have a spiritual enemy, right? So we do need to be humble. You don't walk out in battle without your weapon and without your armor and just going for a stroll. No. Uh, we, we do have a spiritual enemy, so there should be a sense of humility, and there also should be an awareness. He wants us to be aware of his schemes and his tactics. That's why he puts it in the Word for us to see. Uh, he does want us to be confident because he's given us tools and he's equipped us to be able to defend and to fight back. And he does want us to be courageous because at the end of the day, Satan is a defeated foe. The most powerful being in the universe, King Jesus, is on your side. And so you need not be afraid. Uh, he, he, he calls us to be courageous because God is with us. So today might feel like kind of like a crash course in demonology or spiritual warfare, but we just want you to be equipped because this is the battle that we all find ourselves in. We can't bury our heads in the sand and act like it doesn't exist. This is a part of our everyday lives. So I just want to give us a definition of spiritual warfare. I want to give us a definition. A spiritual warfare is a battle against invisible enemies with invisible weapons who oppose the cause and kingdom of Christ. And that's a very important detail. Uh, the, the spiritual enemies oppose the kingdom of Christ, meaning that you aren't necessarily uh, the, the target. You are a target at times, but the only reason you might find yourself as a target because you are aligned with God. Satan's ultimate attack is against the kingdom of God. The good thing about that is the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. The battle is the Lord's. This is his battle. This is his fight. That's why we can have confidence in the fact that there will be victory at the end of this. So that's an important part to acknowledge about spiritual warfare is that this is a battle between uh, Satan and, his, uh, and the demons and they are fighting against the kingdom of God. Now, even though that this battle is uh, between Satan and the kingdom of God, there are battle fronts in our individual lives. And so there are different battle fronts that we will experience. And I just want to talk about four of those. One of those battle fronts is your personal life. Like Satan attacks us personally. Uh, we, we can find ourselves in a personal battle. Well, we see this in the book of Job. 
Uh, we see this with Adam and Eve. He came to them personally. He tempted them personally and or attacked them personally. And in real life and in real time, this can look like a bunch of different things. Um, and he comes for our vulnerable uh, spots. He comes for our weaknesses uh, because he's a coward. He shows up when we're hurting and he smells blood and, and, and he comes for it. And so, uh, for example, someone says something to you at work, it hurts your feelings. The enemy is not content with just hurting your feelings. He wants to build a stronghold. He wants to turn those hurt feelings into bitterness. He wants to turn those hurt feelings into a stronghold of anger and resentment towards other people that causes us to build up a wall. So he looks for those openings. He looks for the wound and he wants to pour salt in it. And so he, he shows up in personal ways like that. Uh, he sees you make a mistake. He sees you fail at something. Uh, he shows up and he, he doesn't just want you to feel bad for a day, but he wants you to uh, turn that into shame and guilt. And he wants you to feel terrible about yourself forever. He wants to turn that into something. He doesn't just want to leave it as, oh, I had a bad day. Uh, the, the issue of lust, he doesn't want you to just look at that website one time. No, he wants to turn that into a full-blown addiction and a stronghold. Uh, I'll just say it. Things such as pornography are rooted in very demonic realities and spiritual uh, strongholds. Uh, stuff like that is attached to uh, human trafficking and all kind of evil practices. And so when you engage with such things, you're not just engaging in a physical practice. That's a very much real spiritual practice. And Satan wants to take those opportunities and turn those into strongholds and long-term attachments in your personal life. If you find yourself hurt, if you find yourself wounded in any kind of way, mentally, physically, emotionally, be careful what you let in and be careful who you let in in those moments because that's when he shows up to infect the wound. Uh, another battlefront is the family. Satan hates your family. I'll just say it blunt like that. He hates family. He hates your marriage. He doesn't just dislike it or kind of not like it. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. And the reason that he attacks the family in marriage is because marriage is an image and a mirror of God's love for his church. Marriage reflects God's uh, uh, love for his people. Marriage reflects the glory and majesty of God. And Satan is going to attack your marriage not because you have the great marriage, not because you're a power super couple, Beyonce and Jay-Z and all that, uh, not because you're just uh, killing it. He's going to attack your marriage just because you are married and your marriage reflects the kingdom of God. And so you have to cover the, 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 the halls of your house with prayer. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Your marriage and your family is a battlefront. He's coming for it just because... Uh, the church is another battlefront. Uh, that's why we see church splits. Uh, that's why uh, pastors and leaders that we admire fall. Uh, uh, that's why there's often sometimes fighting in the church because uh, Satan loves the, to attack the church. Uh, that's why false doctrines and, 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 and misteachings of God's word show up in the church because Satan wants to pervert and distort the church. He wants to shame the church. The church is God's bride. God absolutely loves the church. The church is God's bride. And Satan wants to shame her, intimidate her, and, and, and hurt her. That's why we see persecution uh, in the world uh, because Satan comes for the church. The church is a battlefront. That's why this place needs to be bathed in prayer. That's why we need to pray for one another. 
That's why you need to pray for different uh, leaders in the church. Uh, that's why we need to pray when we show up here on Sunday uh, that we come here ready and prepared to worship God and not distracted by different things because this is a battlefront. And then lastly, the culture is a battlefront. Uh, Look no further than your latest news feed on social media or on, on a, a tune in to whatever you like to watch uh, on the news and you see hate on top of hate, violence on top of violence, evil on top of evil because there's a very much real warfare taking place even in the culture. And in a room this size, some of us might be swinging uh, at these issues in the culture with, with physical weapons that are not going to do anything. Uh, that won't accomplish much at all. You might feel the need to swing at somebody that views something differently or have a different view on, on something that you take real seriously. And we're swinging at these issues using uh, physical or carnal weapons and it's accomplishing nothing at all. You might be uh, tempted to swing at somebody online and if I just send that post, that'll show them and that's going to accomplish nothing. These are the battlefronts, though, this is, this is our reality. And so I just want to take some time to look at some of the schemes. Because Satan is sneaky. He's a scheming little joker. He doesn't just show up in the little red suit like we, show, we saw in the cartoons growing up with the little pointy horns and a pitchfork. pitchfork. Uh, but he has schemes. I want to look at that. Uh, Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He schemes, he plots. And we can see some of his schemes and his plots in the names that he's called in the, in the scriptures. Uh, the devil, the word devil means slanderer or accuser. This is the first thing that he did in the Garden of Eden. He slandered God to Adam and Eve. He said, God isn't who he says that he is. God isn't good. God doesn't have your best interest in mind. Satan is a slanderer. He slandered God and he'll slander you. He accused God and he accused you. And that's why he send those, sends those darts at you uh, to make you feel guilt, to make you feel shame, to make you feel worthless. And he, he's going to accuse you and nag, 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 telling you all that you did and all that, uh, that you, that all how you messed up. And uh, he wants to accuse and nag and nag. And that's what he does. He's the slanderer and then he's an accuser. Uh, another name for Satan we see in the scriptures is Lucifer. Uh, Satan was an angel. Uh, who, who was assigned to worship God, and he was a gifted angel, and he, and he fell in love with himself, and pride got the best of him, and he fell. He was cast out of heaven, him and a third of the angels. Uh, it's, it's important to know that he's the shining one, because sometimes uh, the way he's portrayed in movies is this monster, or this scary-looking, ugly thing, or the little red dude in the suit with the horns. And truthfully, he's the shining one. He comes in very appealing ways. He knows what you like, and he knows how to lure you in. So we must be careful as we engage uh, different things because he comes with schemes and strategies to deceive us. Also, he's the adversary, Satan, point blank period. He attacks sometimes directly straight on, straight ahead at you and just comes for you sometimes, right? And so he's our adversary. Uh, let's continue looking at some of these. Well, let's look at the, the, the structure. It says that we battle against the rulers, against the authorities. Uh, let's continue. Against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The enemy is structured. 
So he isn't just walking around randomly. Uh, the good thing to know about this is that he's not omnipresent, right? He can't be everywhere at the same time, but he, he moves with a bunch of uh, demons and they're very much organized in a very military-like fashion. Satan sits at the top and he sends out uh, angels, I mean fallen angels, which are demons, and they attack people. They have different assignments. Some of them are stronger than others. Uh, some of them are assigned to places geographically. Some of them are assigned to churches. Uh, some of them are assigned to individuals. Some of them might be assigned to your family. This isn't to fear them, but this is just the reality of the battle, right? And so if you're experiencing spiritual warfare, there's a good chance you're not necessarily uh, getting attacked by Satan exactly, but by one of the demons or some of the demons that he sent out. This is how he operates in a very organized, militaristic structure. And I want to look at some of these strategies that he'll try to use. Uh, let's, let's continue. I want to look at uh, his weapons of choice. Accusation, he's going to try to accuse. Opposition, as we've said, he's going to oppose and push against you. And the big one that he uses, and we saw this in the Garden of Eden, is deception. Deception. He creates idols and uh, false realities, and he creates counterfeits, and he wants to deceive. I want to look at this death trap, and this is how it works. It starts with desire, then deception, which leads us into disobedience, which ultimately results in death. It's like, it's like this. He knows what we want, so he appeals to the desires, and he gives us, he gives us more of it, and he appeals to the desires, and he says, I know what you like. And he appeals to the desires, and then we're deceived, not realizing that these are a bunch of counterfeits, right? But he appeals to the desires, which leads us into deception. We saw this with Adam and Eve in the garden. They've been doing the same thing, same game, which cause, causes us to disobey when we're lured, and then that results in death. And, and, and think of death ultimately as a spiritual death, but it can be death of uh, church. It can be death of relationships. It can be, uh, you name it. He wants to kill. That is his goal. He is not just trying to oppose you. And you get these, and once you get the counterfeit, you're like, man, it's not what I thought it was. But that's how he, he operates. Uh, he is a, a, a thief who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's how he rolls. And sometimes it gets really, 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 really bad and it all hits at once. Uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6. He says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. That day of evil is that day when it just hits hard. And God wants you to be able to stand on that day of evil. He doesn't want you to give in on that day. He wants you to be able to stand and he wants you to be able to fight back. Let's, get, let's continue on this. I want us to see uh, uh, how this works in real time. And after you have done everything, he wants you to stand. This is more of a defensive posture. He isn't saying go chase down a bunch of demons and go find Satan under a rock and beat him up. No. At the end of the day, it's more of a defensive posture. He wants you to be able to stand on that day of evil. Uh, but sometimes we fight with the wrong weapons and we find ourselves armed and undangerous. 
Sometimes we're armed, but we're not really dangerous. We're fighting with the wrong stuff. So we're fighting back and we're swinging at them with anger, right? Like that's going to accomplish the goal that we want. Or we swing at them with positive thinking. If I can just, I can think positive thoughts, uh, this will stop. Or money and resources, I'll just throw money at it. Or, or information, or, or, or self-determination and, or, or, and self-will, or just denial. I'll just bury my head in the sand and act like this is not happening. God wants you uh, to be able to stand on those days, and he gives you the resources and tools that you need to stand. And I just want to look at uh, the rest of this passage. He says, put on the full armor of God. The armor of God. Not your armor. I've never been in the military, but you don't show up to the military with your own weapons. They, kind of, they give you those when you get there. It's the same way with the spiritual battle. You don't show up with your own weapons. He says, put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand. In verse 14, it, it starts showing us uh, the different weapons that we've been given. Most of these are defensive in nature. He says, to, uh, put on the belt of truth. Uh, everything rises and falls on truth. The reason why Adam and Eve were deceived, because they were deceived uh, uh, by believing a lie. Satan presented an alternative reality. But as we hold on to the truth, we're able to be anchored in reality of who God is and what he really wants for our lives. And so we must have truth if we're going to fight back. If you don't have truth, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble, tossed to and fro by the different schemes. Uh, it's the truth as a person puts on their belt. The belt of truth holds everything together, just like a belt holds together uh, someone's outfit or, or garments. He says, uh, stand firm with the belt of truth. And the belt and the breastplate of righteousness. And this is a big important part. Not my righteousness, not your righteousness, but the breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. So when Satan attacks you and accuses you, when he opposes you, you remind him, okay, you can say all of that about me, but my righteousness is found in Christ. I'm clothed and covered with the blood of Christ. And when God sees me, he sees an adopted and blood-bought child of Christ. So he can take all those ideas that you're throwing at my head and get them away from me. They're bouncing off because I've been covered with the righteousness of Christ. And that's what you have on your side. Don't throw your righteousness at him. Don't throw your, don't say, look at what I did or look at what I can do. No, the righteousness of Christ is mine. Let's continue. Let's look at these, these weapons that we have. He says, and with your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, the gospel of peace is an awareness of who God is, what he's done in my life. And I know where I'm going if I have a good anchor on the gospel of peace. Uh, and so if I have the gospel of peace, Satan can try to intimidate me and tell me how bad my life is going to be and how the future is going to be. And I can point back at him and says, nope, I've been saved by grace and he is preparing a place for me in the heavenly realms. He's preparing a place for me to rest one day. I'm loved by him. I've been saved. And because of that, I don't have to believe these lies and these myths that cause me to be anxious. I have the gospel of peace. Uh, let's, let's continue. The shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Satan is going to throw those, shoot those darts at you. 
and your faith can absorb those darts when you remind him of what is true. He tries to feed you doubt, you feed yourself truth, and you, and you and remind yourself of who you are and who God is. He's going to try to get you to doubt. You can expect that. Uh, but uh, the, the, the shield of faith absorbs those flaming darts as they come. And next, uh, we have the, the, the helmet of salvation. Everything is wrapped up in this. Apart from the salvation of God, we have nothing. But when we receive Christ and when we receive that salvation, uh, with that, man, we get everything. Uh, the Spirit of God comes and dwells on the inside of us. Uh, we, we, we have a place stored up for us uh, in heaven. Uh, we're able to fight back because God is our Father and we are His adopted children. Everything is wrapped up in the helmet of salvation. And lastly, the sword of the Spirit. This is our one offensive weapon. The rest of the weapons are defensive, but the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that we fight back with when He tries to give us lies. And we saw this modeled by Jesus uh, when He was being tempted. Uh, Satan said, uh, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus said, for man, is, uh, man should not live by bread alone, but, but uh, by the words that depart from the mouth of God. So he fought back with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then lastly, uh, we, we, we pray. We fight back through prayer. We pray in the Spirit. Some of the best parenting you're going to do is on your knees. Uh, the best way to resolve that conflict with your spouse is on your knees in prayer, probably not even with your spouse in the room. Uh, some of the best ways to uh, deal with issues in the culture is to pray. It might sound passive, but when you're fighting a spiritual war, you need spiritual weapons. And I just want to leave us with a prayer of meditation. When Satan comes against you with his schemes, you tell him this, this is an illegal attack, attempt by the enemy to place me under his authority. He has no right or claim in my life because I have been legally set free by Jesus Christ. That's what you tell him when he comes against your individual life. That's what you tell him when he comes against your family. And that's what you tell him when he attacks your church. That's what you tell him as you look at the schemes in the culture. This is an illegal attempt by the enemy to place me under his authority. He has no right a claim in my life because I've been legally set free by Jesus Christ. Why would I dare try to fight a battle in my own strength when the battle has already been won? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. God, thanking you for your word. God, help us to put on the full armor. Remind us to put on, our, on that full armor like we remember to put on our shoes before we leave the house. May we be just as mindful of putting on that armor, God. God, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we uh, leave today and I invite you to receive this benediction as we go. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. Be blessed.